well, I'm going to be a weepy mess for the next 10 minutes or so, so I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Um, I've watched that video like 17 times, too, to like offer edits and stuff like that. And it's like even like the 18th time, I'm like, oh, my gosh, my heart. Um, and so good to be with you guys. My name is Brian, if you're new. I'm one of the pastors here at the summit. And, um, and a lot of people have asked me kind of how I felt kind of going into today. And uh, I feel a lot like Peyton Manning. Um, <laughs> um, not in the sense that I own a, a chain of Papa John's or, uh, you know, I know my actorial debut was fantastic, but, uh, I will, I will not be in any commercials anytime soon, uh, either. Um, but I think more like I look at that video and all that's happened and, um, I feel like I resonate with a lot with Peyton Manning because everybody, you know, we're, we're playing the Super Bowl this afternoon and everybody's talking about how like Peyton Manning is the worst quarterback in the history of the NFL to like take a team to the Super Bowl. Uh, I actually read this article this week. Here, here's what it said about Peyton Manning. Um, you don't need advanced numbers to tell you that Manning isn't very good. Anyone who's watched the Broncos play this year knows the five-time MVP is currently as incompetent as they come. His passes flutter through the air. More times than not, they hang just long enough for a defensive back to come out of nowhere as if he were Manning's intended target. And yet, we're in the Super Bowl, suckers. So, you know, like... And the question is, like, how did that happen? Like, how does somebody... I mean, I'm not biased, or I am biased. I'm tremendously biased. Um, and I don't think Manning's a very good quarterback this year. But we're still in the Super Bowl. Like, how the heck did that happen? Well, it's, like, all about the people that he surrounded himself with, right? Like, he's a terrible quarterback right now, but he's got, like, the best defense uh, maybe in the history of the league. He's got an incredible kicker, great receivers. I won't nerd out on sports, but, you know... It, I, Man, and I just, I, I think, like, that's where I relate with Paid Mania. It's like, it's easy to even look at a video like that, and I kind of tell the story, and it makes it seem like I kind of did this thing, and I didn't. Like, I, I believe in a lot of ways um, this thing has happened in spite of me, and um, really because of the people around me. And so, um, so I don't just sort of, like, weepingly just speak with a stream of consciousness for the next two and a half hours or so. Um, all I'm going to do is really give thanks to five people or groups of people. Um, and then we're going to take communion and, and do baptism. So, um, okay. Um, the first group of people I want to thank is just the, uh, I want to thank the men and women who gave their life to the summit when there was no such thing as a summit. This is going to be long. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just, I think about um, those of you, particularly, I think first and foremost, of those of you back in North Carolina that we met, and we kind of had nothing. We didn't kind of have nothing. We did have nothing. Uh, we, had, we had a mission and a vision statement on a piece of paper. Um, I had no experience. We had no plans. We had no people. We had no place to meet. We didn't have a home. We didn't even know what neighborhood we were moving into, and we just kind of had an idea that we wanted to hopefully plant a church in Denver, and you left everything for that. You left friends, you left family, you left good jobs, you left comfort, you left safety. I think to myself, like, what the heck were you thinking? Um, like, who didn't talk you out of that? There probably were a lot of people who did try to talk you out of that. Um, and you felt the call anyways. And I'm just thankful that I think of, like, Chris Wooden, like, texting me at 10.30 p.m. and telling me, like, he has to meet then uh, in order to talk about leaving everything to move to Denver and I was like, okay, let's meet. And like, we 
met at a McDonald's on Capitol Boulevard because that's like the only thing open in Raleigh. Raleigh's lame, and that's like the only thing open at 1030 in Raleigh. So we meet at a McDonald's and talk about this, and he's like wrestling through like, man, I'm, I have like the life I always wanted, but I feel like God's calling me to something more. I think of Steph DiVincenzo, who like sat with Andy and I at Caribou Coffee, and she's like, I'll do whatever it takes. Like, I'll do whatever it takes to work to, to get there. If I have to work like a, a, a waitress job, if I have to, whatever it takes, like whatever it takes for me um, to be there, I'll, I'll be there. Um, and I, I think of those of you when we first moved to Denver who believed in this thing when we were nothing more than like a ragtag group of about 12 North Carolinians. Um, and you bought in and you believed. And I think of, um, I think of the Almases. I think of uh, Natalie, now Kaler. I, I think of Meredith Nodal. Like Meredith, I remember when you first started coming and we met you uh, when you were cleaning our teeth. It's a, like an interesting way to meet people. But like you came, you know, and like I remember when you came for the very first time. I think of the Tiarinas. Um, I hate to like name people because there's so many other people. I think Aaron McConnell, but I'll keep doing it anyways, right? Um, I just think of those people that it was like, we kind of had nothing, again, still other than an idea, and then 12 North Carolinians, and you were like, this sounds fantastic for me to give my life to, and uh, you're still here five years later. And so your faith, your commitment, um, your belief in what God can do is, is astounding to me, and I'm, I'm deeply, deeply thankful for, for each of you. Um, second, I, I want to give thanks to the elders and staff who have loved me and my family and this church really, really well. Um, this is where I feel like the Peyton Manning analogy really uh, carries through. I think one of my pet peeves, I mean, I'm the biggest Peyton Manning fan in the world. I'd be wearing like a Manning jersey tonight. But like, it, it's crazy to me, like the bias that announcers show Peyton Manning. Like last week, he'll audible into a run. CJ Anderson will have like a 55-yard run. And they're like, look at Peyton Manning. Like, look at how he called that audible. And it's like CJ Manning or CJ Anderson was the one who ran the ball and did all of the work. That's kind of the nature of being a quarterback is you're so public, you get a little bit too much more of the praise. And I, I feel like that a lot of ways for my role in the life of our story, I feel like my role is a little bit more public. And, and because of that, I get kind of an, a, a disproportionate and really an unfair amount of the uh, the praise for what's happened here in the life of the summit. And so just for our elders and staff, I think of Andy, who's been such a good friend to me and my family and moved out here um, and committed this thing when it was just me and Megan. Like he was number three in this and we were kind of all in this together. I think of um, Brian Turney, who moved out here uh, to help start this church and is now a pastor here and has always been willing to do whatever it takes, like just totally willing to sacrifice. And he had no like desires for power or a role or influence or a title or anything. And now he's like one of the most influential guys in what we've done. I think of Justin Almas, who like represents in many ways what we came out here to do, to like meet guys when they were young and to raise them up in this family and to, and to put them into a place of leadership. I think of meeting Justin and Vanessa at Coffee the Point for the very first time, and they were just dating. And in that first conversation, being like, why aren't you guys married? That's just kind of what I do. I have awkward conversations with people for a living. And uh, you know, and now they, they, they got engaged. They got married. I got through their, mar- their, their wedding. And now they're parents. And just I mean, all that's happened in five years. I think of a staff of like PT and uh, Natalie and Teresa, who have just done, like, such an incredible job without a whole lot of guidance from us, and we're like, good luck, you know, like, here's not much money, and good luck, we love you, and, uh, and they just, they've just killed it and knocked it out of the park, and uh, just so thankful for, for, for all of our, our, just our team of uh, pastors and staff who we have around us as well. Um, third, I just want to thank uh, friends, there's many of you here, this is really any of you who are coveted members here, 
who have committed to this mission uh, despite seemingly easier and better options opening up somewhere else. I just, I think about how, I don't know, it was just crazy to me, like I got here and I, I just began to identify in our city, like the biggest fear is the fear of missing out, like hashtag FOMO, right? You like see this everywhere. Like, what if I miss out? What if I don't get to actualize my potential? What if I don't make as much money as I could make? What if I don't experience everything that I wanted to experience? And it really started to become kind of almost disillusioning to me as a pastor that I would meet these people and they would just like leave this thing in an instant because like a better opportunity opened up somewhere else. And so we try to start pushing our people to think differently, to be big about commitment, to prioritizing the people of God and the mission of God above anything and everything else. And I just feel like some of the most encouraging people to me are just the, the countless stories of men and women. Again, I could kind of do this for 45 minutes or so, but the countless stories of men and women who have written this very different story with their lives. I think of somebody like Jen Wooten, like we were hanging out with them a couple of weeks ago and her talking about like, they went back to where she was from in North Carolina and she's looking at the housing market and she's like, man, we could like sell our house in Denver, buy two houses here and have no mortgage like whatsoever. Like, and we could raise our kids next to their grandparents. We had like no debt whatsoever. Wouldn't that be fantastic? But she's just like, and then it just, you know, I kind of just had to recalibrate my heart and be like, that's not what's worth me giving my entire life to. Like, I think about somebody like Josh Perez. He told me a couple of weeks ago, um, he got an offer for his dream job. Uh, It would just require him to move. It would require him to move to California, I think it was. And, you know, it's funny for us. Like, if you get off of your dream job, it's like, man, you got to do that. Like, what else would you do other than your dream job? Like, that's the most important thing, dream job. Of course you got to take your dream job. And he's like, I just realized that this was the moment where I'd have to decide, like, am, do I really believe that, like, I'm meant to prioritize a people and a mission over, like, me realizing my dreams? And so he turned it down, like, all for this church. And I, I think about people who just give faithful, anonymous sacrifice. I think about people like the brides who just like serve and they're like super smart and super talented. And then Jeff's like, yep, I'll go clean the bathrooms. No big deal whatsoever. I think about like the Dameron's. I think about like, like Ruth, the way that she basically shapes every sermon we preach here. Um, (laughs) I think about uh, Kirk, like being pumped to go up to summit kids and like loving my daughter very well. And man, just like the, all right, that's as many as I can do. Okay. Number (laughs) Um, number four, uh, I just want to thank, uh, my wife who has, I just have to skip to number five. Thank you. No, I'm going to do this. (laughs) Thank my wife who supported me, believed in me and been such an asset to this mission. I feel like the more and more I've stepped into a role of really like assessing church planters, coaching church planters. I've just begun to realize that the planter's wife makes or breaks whether or not this thing can happen. And I just look at my wife and see her as being nothing more than an asset and a servant to basically helping this thing go from being a dream to a reality. Um, I, I think about how, man, she just, she is so content to be like uh, anonymously influential. I, I feel like we exist in this culture where it's like everybody has to have a title. Everybody has to be affirmed. If, if you're going to sort of validate my existence, I have to be in a place of influence and everybody has to know it. And then it's like, I look at my wife last week, like not just being part of organizing the if gathering, but like her and Meredith Nodal are cooking chili in our home for eight hours for like, who knows how many ladies, because that's the most affordable way to do that for our church. And to be like, man, like what a servant. I think about her 
Um, just being able to like manage and like help our home run, which our home is crazy. We got people in and out of it. Like our church, our, our church was our home at the same time when we first started. And I think about how like she just even like does that. She does it really well, and she manages the crises really well. And I'm never like writing a sermon, and she's like, "Hannah threw up. You have to come home and deal with it." Like she's just like she's just like, in control, and she's just got it stable. And I just know it's like it frees me up to give you guys my best. Um, I think about her living in Taiwan for four months in order to help our daughter um, start forming a bond with us, her adoptive parents, uh, so that she can come home. And just like being able to do that, and it's hard. And it's just like what, what strength in a woman to be able to do something like that. And so um, just so, so thankful for her as well. And then fifth and finally, um, yeah. <laughs> Fifth and finally, uh, I just want to give thanks to the God who chose me, loved me, and uh, decided to use me. And, um, man, I, I think a lot about my life. So, like, if you're new around here, all this, you're like, who are these people and why are you crying? It's not like this every Sunday, okay? <laughs> Normally, I just preach the Bible. Next week, we're back in Mark. Valentine's Day kickoff. We're going to find a way to make the transfiguration very romantic. We're really excited about this, okay? So, go, go ahead. It's not, normally, it's not normally like this. But... Um, man, I, like for me, I became a Christian, uh, later in life. I became a Christian when I was 18 years old. And so I think one of the advantages of becoming a, there's a lot of disadvantages, but one of the advantages I can very distinctly remember being an adult and having a very like clear picture of what my future looked like. Um, for me, I think just because of like my environment and my upbringing and just my own wiring, um, I had this very clear vision for my life from a very young age. Um, I am going to have more money than I know what to do with. I'm not going to have to depend on anybody or anything. I'm going to be insanely happy. I'm going to move back to where I was from um, because that's just sort of like what all my friends did. Uh, I'm going to raise my kids at the same school that I went to, kindergarten through 13, or eight, uh, 12th grade. Um, I didn't have to do a 13th grade. I wasn't that bad of a student. Um, kindergarten through 12th grade, which is crazy because now I'm like on Facebook and I'm at the age where like my friends have kids that age and they actually did this, like, which is just really crazy uh, to see. It was like, man, I'm going to be wealthier, more powerful, more autonomous, more influential than anyone you've ever seen. And God saved me from that vision. And I look at our lives now, and it's just like, and I have a very clear future now. Like, I'm not going to have more money than I ever know what to do with. And I'm never going to live a life where we, like, don't have a concern in the world. Like, look at all of you people. Like, like every single one of you matters so much to me and to us. Um, and so it's just like, like, I know, like, I will be worried until the day I die. Um, I will not raise our grandchildren close to her family. We won't have that help, you know, like where we can just drop Hannah off with, with grandma. Um, I will not be able to realize and to seize every single opportunity. There will be a lot of really good opportunities that I miss out on. But God in his grace has given me a far better life than that. And he saved me from my sin 
He saved me to a people called the summit and he saved me to a mission to this city. And that's what I want to give my life to. And that's much, much better than anything I could have conjured up or dreamed for myself. And so thank you, Jesus, for that as well. So, and I'm just so thankful. Um, I'm just going to limit myself to that. We're going to, we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to baptize. Um, I love you. I'm thankful for you. And, um, Thank you so much, both God and the people of the Summit Church, for uh, helping make this dream a reality. I'm looking forward not just to the next five years, but the next 50 years or so. I'm going to start crossfitting again, get my health back, and uh, <laughs> next 50 years or so. So um, I'm going to pray just a prayer of thanksgiving, and then uh, we're going to transition to a time of response. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for giving us lives than we could have ever had for ourselves. We thank you for the men and women who fill this room. I thank you for the men and women we've seen become Christians here who are writing different stories with their lives. They didn't just make a decision, but they're radically living differently now. They see their relationships different. They see their family different. They see their money different. They see their sexuality different. They see their life's purpose different. They see their jobs different. There are countless stories of men and women who are sitting in this room right now who represent your grace that has been shown through this family. There are men and women who have moved elsewhere in this country and to the very ends of the earth, radically changed by this community and taking your mission to the sphere of influence you've entrusted them with as well. And so thank you, God. Thank you for using us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for doing abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine to us and through us. And I pray uh, that you would receive the glory and the recognition. And as we said at the very beginning, uh, we ask that you would do a work. The only explanation is that you stepped in and moved and you've done that. And so we just ask these things and give thanks in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.